Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 153. One of the biggest surprises Royal Caribbean has announced over the years was the fact that Explorer of the Seas would begin offering cruises to Alaska in 2016. The prospect of a Voyager-class ship heading to the last frontier got a lot of us intrigued and excited. And so this week... We have a first-hand review of what it's like to take a Royal Caribbean cruise to Alaska on Explorer of the Seas. We'll discuss what Explorer of the Seas offers, how its size impacts the itinerary, and so much more. Here we go. Cruising to Alaska has always been a favorite uh, destination for a lot of Royal Caribbean fans over the years. I mean, Alaska in and of itself is an amazing destination. In fact, we just talked about Alaska a couple weeks ago about how much fun and all the great things you can do there. And now Royal Caribbean has, well, made it even better by adding a brand new ship, not just a new ship, but a new class of ships that's never visited Alaska. And quite frankly, a lot of people didn't think it would ever happen. Explorer of the Seas, a Voyager-class ship offering cruises to Alaska. This is the first year it's happened. And we are lucky enough to be joined by someone who just went on not only Explorer of the Seas, but also someone who is well-versed in Alaska cruises. And I can also consider her a very good friend of mine. It is Becky Menken of MEI Travel. Becky, welcome back to Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you so much for having me back on. Get to talk about one of my very favorite cruises and itineraries and cruise lines. So I'm really excited about this. It's the it's a trifecta of awesomeness. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask. You, I'm gonna I'm gonna back it up for a second here, Becky, mm-hmm. because you've I know that you have taken a lot of cruises to Alaska over the years on across a number of cruise lines. So you have right. a pretty good experience, I would say, in the in the grand scheme of people who are well informed about about Alaska. You have a great uh, record to show for that. So. When you heard about Explorer of the Seas, Royal Caribbean adding a Voyager class ship to go to Alaska, what were your what were your thoughts about that? What what were your concerns going into it? In complete honesty, I was taken aback. I was thinking, ah, that's a pretty big ship for Alaska. Because if you've never done Alaska before or never cruised into those ports, these aren't big metropolitan cities that you're going into. You might be sailing round trip for one, say Seattle or Vancouver, but you're going into these um, into these small ports where Juneau is a huge town, but when you compare it to Seattle or Vancouver, it's very small. So when you have a ship that carries as many people as the Explorer, though that level of ship does, I'm thinking, wow, you get two or three of these in port, it's going to completely overwhelm the town. So that was the concern, along with knowing the most important day to me when sailing to Alaska is when you are heading up to see the glacier on uh, you cruise up through the fjords and some of those fjords are really tight and small so i'm thinking how how close are you going to be able to really get to see um, the glaciers how far can this large ship get up into that channel so there were a lot of concerns initially which is one of the reasons why I wanted to take this cruise so that I could look at it through the eyes of a person sailing on a large ship and compare to some of the ones that I was on on the smaller ships to see if there's a difference in the experience. Yeah, and let me let me put this in perspective. So Radiance of the Seas is the is a is another Royal Caribbean ship offering cruises to Alaska and Radiance is is the type of ship that has traditionally offered cruises to Alaska in the past. And Radiance of the Seas can has a capacity of 2500 passengers whereas Explorer of the Seas has a capacity of 4029 passengers. So it is a significantly larger ship and you know, I I was excited to hear this because you know, for a lot of folks, especially in 2016, 
you know, big ships are the norm now. They're not the they're not the outliers anymore. They are becoming quickly the 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 normal kind of cruise ship that a lot of people come to expect. And it's not just about size, Becky. It's also about amenities, right? Being able to offer uh, more than a radiant. Nothing wrong with radiance class ship or a vision class ship, but you know, obviously they do offer more stuff. And for a lot of guests, not every guest, don't get me wrong, but there are a lot of guests out there that, that do appreciate that, do enjoy having multiple restaurants to choose from a, a ice skating rink, you know, a, a flow rider, because nothing says flow rider like Juno, but you know, <laughs> um, having that opportunity, there is, there's something to be said about it. And for that's, yeah. that's an appeal to a lot of folks who may have been holding off on Alaska cruise beforehand. Yeah, and especially you're talking about size of ship, where the um, Explorer of the Seas runs a gross tonnage of about 138,000, and I believe Radiance is in that 90,000, so it really is significantly larger. And I'm with you, that it was appealing to me to know that there was going to be more to do on board, especially with the times that you are um, sailing uh, on the, the cruise days. And for some people, Victoria is not a big stop either. So there's a lot that you want to do on the, the ship. Like, hey, ice skate at sea in the middle of Alaska. You know, who knew <laughs> how cool that would be? But uh, it was um, it was a really different experience being on one of the larger ships there were some pros and there were some cons and the pro was definitely having access to more of the um of the restaurant experiences or or the more amenities on board and yeah if you wanted to go out on the flow rider you certainly can and i'm sure that you've uh probably tackled this in a couple of the other shows but much like i i still can't wrap my brain around when people think i'm gonna go to alaska i must get my mucklucks and my um <laughs> my parka and be ready for uh, minus 30 degree temperatures if i sail to alaska when in fact you know daytime temperatures when you're going in june or july can easily be anywhere from 70 to 80 degrees on really good days so the flow rider does come in handy and the pools come in handy when you've got good weather when you don't have good weather, then it's great to have a larger ship to have more to do on the interior. What is a muckluck? <laughs> Shoes, boots, mucklucks. I have, n- I have never Seriously? heard of this before. Never in my life have I heard <laughs> they're, that before. They're big, huge <laughs> snowshoes, basically. So you're okay. not going to see snow. You're, you will see it on the mountains, or if you take a, a flight seeing or a helicopter up, then you're going to see the snow or be in the middle, middle of it. But when you're sailing up, you got to remember that you're not going up into the north of Alaska on these inside passages. You're, you're pretty much on parallel with Canada. Okay. So let me, uh, let's, let's start with a couple things. First of all, let's start with the obvious question. Based on what you told us earlier, you, uh, Explore went out of Seattle, right? Right. Okay. Ground trip out of uh, Seattle. And it's, it's the Smith uh, Cove cruise terminal where a lot of people forget that they in seattle now they do have two cruise terminals actually they have three but royal caribbean um goes out of uh, the north one up at smith cove so make sure that you know which cruise terminal you're going out of great so how was what was the experience like in port you're visiting you know juno or, or any of the other places you stopped at what was it like being on on a voyager class ship in in the port because you've been there on many different kinds of ships what was your experience like this one, I, I think that they did a really good job in the scheduling because we had two other ships basically going with us. Uh, one was one of the Seaborne ships, which is a, a smaller ship, and they usually carry under a thousand people on board their ships. Uh, the other was another Royal Caribbean ship, which was with us, and I think the Radiance was uh, in lockstep with us. 
it departed on a Friday rather than a Saturday or Sunday, which you traditionally see. And I think that that is a benefit of not hitting the port at the same time that maybe one of the really large princess ships may, may be in port as well. So while I did kind of feel that it was a little bit more people, it never reached the level of the concern that I had initially. I didn't feel any more crowded or any less crowded than uh, in the smaller towns than I did on any of the other sailings that I'd been on. So um, I would say I would put that concern to rest. That's that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's and you, and you know from um, for anybody who's been in there, all those little shops where it just gets where you're crowded around each other and you can't really buy anything because there's too many people in the shops. And sometimes that happens when you get four or five or six of those ships in some of the ports. But this one pretty much stayed at three. And I think if if they keep it uh, with that type of itinerary that they're not um, sharing those same ports with another big ship or two, I think it's going to be just fine. What did you, is, is there anything about Explorer of the Seas that worked really well in Alaska? Was there something on there that you said, wow, okay, this is something that on the ship that was yeah. different than your experience on other ships and it really lent itself to an Alaska itinerary? One of the things that I love is the, uh, the Royal Crown Lounge, which of course is known as Dizzy's on board the Explorer of the Seas. And you have that aren't in the current builds, right? The, the um, Oasis class doesn't have them. Um, right. the, the Quantum class doesn't have them either. But the big lounge that's sitting at the top with all of the windows where you get that beautiful view, that lounge is made for Alaska. Because you can go up there, you can sit next to the window, you can have your cup of coffee or whatever mm, beverage you may have to have with you <laughs> to take in the sights. That is one of the best locations. That, and believe it or not, the other thing, the Windjammer. The Windjammer in the back has all of those floor-to-ceiling windows all the way around, being able to watch um, the water because a big key about Alaska is the wildlife. And you might actually see, like we did, more whales just when you're having dinner in the Windjammer than <laughs> you did on the whale-watching excursion. For us, we got really lucky at one point, and there were um, several. There was up to 14 whales just passed through our wake uh, o- over the course wow. of a couple of hours while we had dinner. So I think the neat thing about the ship is just all of the windows and all of the places where you can cuddle up with um, the people you love and a beverage or food and just watch the nature around you that's awesome let me ask you another newbie alaska question Uh, you're in alaska what were the pool what was the pool experience like you know with the weather and you mentioned you know that it can get quite warm but it also can be cool especially in the mornings and the evenings what was the pool like the pool situation like on explorer we had an interesting weather situation with us. We had a couple of days where it was kind of gray and a little windy and a, a little little cold uh, down into the 60s on, on one day. Uh, there was another day that we were up into 74, but the biggest deal was we were in port, so there weren't a lot of people on board to enjoy the pool. The hot tubs were definitely in use, but I would say if you have, uh, if you really love to be in the pools and you are okay with a 72 degree day, then the Alaska itinerary is the one you want to take because the pools aren't completely crowded. I think that's probably, the pool deck is one of the places where you don't see as many people for obvious reasons. Right. Makes sense. But you could, but there are still people that are in the solarium pool, I imagine. And oh yeah. The, and, and the, and the hot tubs. 
and the crazy children who love to be in a pool, no matter if it's 32 degrees or 132 degrees, they'll be in a pool. Yeah, there was a, a lot of families that were uh, partaking in the daytime as well. Nice. What uh, you know, we're talking a lot of explore here, but just real quick, what did you uh, what was your favorite excursion you did while you were in Alaska on this one? I love anything to do with wildlife. Uh, the one thing that you have the opportunity to do in Alaska is to view whales, seals, um, eagles. Oh my gosh. It, for some people who don't live in areas where you have a lot of opportunity to see an eagle, it's one of the most exciting things to see one of those birds in flight. And on an Alaska cruise, it's amazing because pretty soon when you're a newbie and you go, you look up and someone points out, hey, look at the top of that tree. It looks like a golf ball. And you look and it's like, yeah, it is. And you get your, um, uh, your binoculars, which, by the way, take your own binoculars with you when you go to Alaska. You look up there and you, and you notice that that golf ball at the top of the tree is actually a bald eagle just sitting wow. perched on the top of the tree. So on the first few days, you look up and you're like, oh, there's a bald eagle. Oh, my gosh, there's a bald eagle. By, like, day six, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's another bald eagle <laughs> because there's <laughs> everything. Did, ever, did, uh, did you ever see the eagle fly to the sea? Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. Are you going to sing uh, again? I you, you're, you're like... fly. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. As you were talking, all I could hear is that song in my head. Fly Please continue. Great. Now it's going to be there in my brain all day now, too. Thanks for that. Anytime. I might have to play it later. Um, the other one, too, which was a surprising one. And a lot of people don't know this because it's kind of like a little hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you take in Juneau, you do the Mendenhall Glacier and the Whale Watching Tour. They have one that combines the two. If you go up to Mendenhall Glacier, or if you just go to Mendenhall Glacier because you've done whales somewhere else, they do have a cool visiting center. They do have a, a lengthy hike to get out to the waterfall, uh, but you can see the glacier from the, the uh, place where the buses drop you off. But they have these trails that are off um, to the left, an easy, quick trail walk. And if you're really lucky... The trail is kind of up on stilts a little bit over the, the water areas. But if you hit it in that mid-June and beyond, you might just see a bear. Wow. And so a lot of people go, well, I need to do the, the, the bear experience too. And I'm trying to decide between whales and Mendenhall. But if you go to Mendenhall, you might be able to walk through there. I went looking for the bears this time. I apparently missed the bear by like two seconds. I kept walking and somebody stayed and came back and went, oh, did you see the bear? Um, it's really safe in that area because it is, they keep the, the people away from the wildlife and they have um, rangers that are there to, for safety as well. But it's one of the best opportunities to see bears up close in a, in a more protected environment. So for me, any of those types of um, excursions that get you out to do something that you're not going to see on a Caribbean. Because I know they've got a lot of zip lining. They've got, um, you know, some speedboats. They've got other things that you can do in Alaska. But for me, it's all about the things that make Alaska unique and special. So if you're not shy about a helicopter, hop in one and go up and put your feet on a glacier. That's one of the best um, keys of enjoying uh, the the environment that you're going to is actually stepping out and getting out there and doing a flight seeing or seeing the the nature and the animals and the um, wildlife that's not in your backyard normally. Nice, I like that. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to ask you, really, uh, remind us again, what category stadium did you book on this one? 
I got a GS, so I got a grand suite. I'm uh, I'm one of those people that I'm really trying to I'm trying to get up past to that diamond plus. I'm really working on it. Uh, and doing it right. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of spoiled. I like a tub. So you know, there's that's the personal TMI moment. I I like tubs, so I kind of go for that. But I I wanted to it, kind of experience uh, Royal Caribbean with some of the things that they provide for the sweet class guests as opposed to the diamond guests as well uh just to kind of get um some comparisons to other cruise lines that we sell so i could talk about that a little bit better too but it was really comfortable the gs stateroom is a a very space spacious stateroom with a lot of amenities a large deck so that the day that you do go up to the glacier um you can sit on your deck and watch the beautiful nature surrounding you rather than have to go up and fight for space up on the top. I was going to ask you kind of, kind of along those lines, Mm -hmm. you stayed in suites before. Trust me. If anybody knows you've stayed in suites before, it's me. Um, Because I I invite you to them and you you have beverages with me. Yes. Uh I see how the other half lives quite often. Um, My question for you is how does a grand suite or just suite in general, how does that compare to on an Alaska cruise, does the experience change? Is it more important, less important? About the same? Is there any kind of impact by staying in a suite on an Alaska cruise? Well, you know what? I, I think that if you ask me the difference between a balcony to anything else, yeah, there's a huge difference. I, I would highly recommend that you, at the very least, if your budget can do it, get a balcony. Uh, a suite is better because you do have a larger balcony typically. Uh, so if you do have a, a large family that is traveling with you or friends that are traveling with you, you have a place that you can all gather and be together when you're experiencing those, either the, the, the channel sea days where you're going up through the inside passage or, of course, the bigger one is the glacier day. Because if you have everybody together on a larger balcony, you're going to have a, a great experience together rather than, again, trying to kind of fight for space up on the, the top deck. So there's benefits there. Uh, you also have the benefits of having the concierge available to you to help you with any of the um, shore excursions that you're trying to book. That can get a little dicey sometimes uh, when you get into Alaska because a lot of people don't realize that that is one of the number one uh, itineraries that you want to make sure that you book your excursions well in advance because the really popular ones do go quickly because for a lot of people, sailing to Alaska is a one-time experience or a lifetime experience. So they're going after that flight scene or they're going after the helicopter and the, the dog mushing up on the, the glacier. So you want to make sure to have every opportunity and sometimes the concierge is your opportunity to, uh, to get those little spots that you may need. So there's benefits yes. uh, along the way. And having access to the lounge is kind of nice where you get a, a beverage every day and um, you always have somebody there to help you with arrangements or questions. Let me ask you this: I'm gonna, uh, I, Becky, you're you're a travel agent. You work for our, uh, you're a great travel agent. In fact, at uh, MEI Travel, who is, uh, by the way, full disclosure, a sponsor here of RollerCommonBlog.com. Um, someone comes to you in your door, in your virtual door, <laughs> and says, Becky. <laughs> I want to book an Alaska cruise. I just heard all about it on this fabulous podcast. Have you heard about it? Royal Caribbean blog podcast? It's amazing. And uh, that guy who hosts it, he's amazing and smart and beautiful. Um, so my question <laughs> for you, Becky, is I want to go on it. What ship should I book? Are you sending them on Radiance of the Seas mm. or Explorer of the Seas? Wow. And why? That, you know what? That's a really good question because there were some cons to the Explorer. And... Uh, before I give you those, I'm going to 
throw out the the middle person answer is that it would really depend on the individual because some people are going to be after more things and more amenities on board the ship that's going to fit them and their family uh, better than maybe the smaller ship. Um, however, the smaller ship does have some advantages. And <clears throat> where do I start? <laughs> I, well, let me see. Right, does, the, the, the si- does size matter? Size, you know, yes. The inevitable question. Yep. <laughs> it does. It really does. And there, there are two big reasons uh, why. The, um, the explorer spent more time sailing on the outer side of the islands. So Vancouver Island, uh, as you're working your way up to Juneau, they do have this passage. Part of the inside passage is the Vancouver Island side. The Explorer of the Seas is apparently, from what the captain had said, was too tall to go through that area because of some power lines at one point that cross over. So you're not able to um, maybe sail through some of the most gorgeous channels where it's really close on either side. So you might miss out on, uh, on some of that nature watching if, if that's important to you. And by nature, I don't mean you're not going to see a, a bear, you know, really close to the ship, but you might see, you know, um, some orca uh, going up that direction. You might uh, just enjoy looking at the mountains as you, um, as you sail up past. So there is a con for having the bigger ship because you can't go through that little piece of the the sailing. The other thing that kind of remains unanswered is the day they they do have scheduled going up into Tracy Arm, which is a beautiful glacier area, and it's got some twists and turns going up to the glacier. It is a a beauty that in of course glacier bay are the two typical glaciers that you go visit on a a sailing day for us we were pretty early in the season and apparently tracy arm uh had too much ice field still kind of blocking the path so we ended up going up the antiot arm into seeing Dawes Glacier, which is another beautiful location. I'm not going to diss it whatsoever because it was gorgeous and it was the first time I'd ever seen it. However, I don't know if it was because of the size of the ship that was going to make it much more difficult because of the ice field or if it was just any ship not going up there. I'd asked that question on board and they were unable to tell me if, uh, if the other Royal Caribbean ship was able to go up that passage. But the pro and the con between Tracy Arm and Dawes to me, <clears throat> excuse me, is that Dawes Glacier has this beautiful waterfall that's right next to it. And you get to experience these gorgeous waterfalls up and down as you're going towards the glacier. But there's one that's right next to it. It's a pro because it's beautiful and you get to enjoy this huge mountain of water that's spilling down. But the con is that you have the noise, the roaring noise of the waterfall, so you miss out on the creaking of the glacier ice that you hear over at Tracy Arm. Um, because it's so silent up that passage that you can just hear it creaking. And sometimes it, you can hear it creaking to a point that you know that it's going to calve, and that kind of signals you to look over there and, and see the, um, the glacier ice falling into the bay. So... Again, it's not really a con either way because you're going to get that wonderful experience of nature. But I would prefer probably Tracy Arm because of 
just hearing that glacier ice creaking, which is one of the creepiest and coolest things ever. <laughs> yeah. So basically it depends is really the yeah. answer in terms of it. Yeah. In, and coming down to the two, I think I'd have to really have a good conversation with the virtual person walking through my virtual door and mm-hmm. finding out what's most important to them. Because for me, it might be completely different of what I put a priority on in my experience. However, someone else might say, you know what, but being able to um, ice skate at sea is a much more important thing for me and my family because that's something we want to do together. So it really comes down to the individual and the priority that you put on the difference between the ships and the amenities. Makes sense. All right, I'm going to give you one last question and I'll let you go here. Uh, I've, I've, I've invented the uh, transporter, Star Trek transporter, and obviously (laughs) I'm using it to bring people on real Caribbean ships. So if you could use the transporter to go anywhere on, on explore the seas right now on, and evidently this is a time machine too, because it's bringing you back to your cruise uh, to Alaska. (laughs) Um, (laughs) give me one place right now. Where, where are you getting transported on board the ship? Oh my gosh. What's the, what's the must, you know, if you had to go someplace on the ship, maybe it's your favorite bar, maybe it's your favorite view, maybe it's back to your room, maybe it's the windjammer because it's dinner time and hey, why not, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not judging. I'm just curious, you know, you know what's, what, where would you go if you had to go one place back on Explore right now? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I would have to say just for the wonder and the awe of the moment, because all the time I've lived up here, because I live in Seattle, so I've, I've seen my share of, of nature as well. But the wonder and the awe of sitting in the windjammer and watching those whales, I have never seen so many whales in one place in my life. And I would love to relive that moment again. And seeing more than anything, not just me seeing it, but seeing the crew, the the crew of the uh, of the ship that had never some of them had never seen a whale before and they were all with their noses pressed up against the glass and just as excited as we were to see this. So that was a, a real inspiring moment and kind of neat to experience with them and, and my other friends that were on board. Awesome. Becky, thank you so much for joining us here and talking a little bit about Explorer and Alaska and, and having some fun tonight. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And one other just quick tip, don't overpack for Alaska. That's the biggest mistake everybody always makes. You can take jeans, a couple of pairs of, of um uh, of slacks and a dress to go to dinner in. But other than that, it's really casual and laid back. Don't overpack. There's going to be enough places that you can buy um, shirts and fleece for $19 if you want one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt. Alrighty, it's time to answer your listener emails. I love doing this. This is the part of the show where I read your emails that you send to me. And if you want your email read, just send me an email. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email today is from Christopher, who writes, Matt, you do a great job with your blog site. I was watching Periscope yesterday from a lady on Anthem of the Seas leaving from Cape Liberty to Bermuda. She mentioned that she was unable to try both iFly and North Star because they were booked up. My next cruise is slated for April 2017 on Anthem, and I'm curious how long in advance are these available to sign up for? We're taking our kids on our next cruise, so I really want to be able to experience all the features and attractions. What can I do to avoid missing out on these? We use a travel agent if that matters. Great question, Chris, because obviously if you're going on a ship like Anthem of the Seas that has so many amazing innovations like the iFly, North Star, you're going to want to be able to do it. So what you want to do, first of all, when after, so you already booked this cruise, so go to your cruise planner. If you haven't done it already, you can reserve times free 
for Ripcord by iFly, but I believe it's also available for the North. Sorry, when I last cruised on there, they didn't have that available, but I'm pretty sure they've since rolled that out. You want to make sure you do that in advance. So the other thing you should do is, even if they say they're full, a lot of times they can still make it work, especially if you show up right before they're supposed to start a session. So if you want to do North Star, when I was on Quantum of the Seas, I had, and also Anthem of the Seas, I had a lot of luck with looking at the cruise planner and looking at the time. So for North Star, as an example, it would say, oh, they're going to be doing sessions from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., let's say. I'm just making up times here. So what you would do is show up before, like 8.45 in the morning, just show up in the line. There might be someone else there already, but you'll be in the first group, and then you go up and ride. Same is also true also during dinner time. That is a great way to be able to, to experience these because a lot of folks, as soon as dinner rolls around, I don't know if you've noticed on all roller coaster ships, boy, does that pool deck empty out. And people are busy. They're going to eat dinner. They're going to do other things. So activities like North Star and Ripcord, to some extent, open up a little bit more because folks don't show up for it because not everyone that makes a reservation is going to show up for it especially because they're free reservations in many cases so you know there's nothing to lose if you don't show up to it so showing up very early you know 15 minutes before they're supposed to start right at the end you might be able to uh, have some luck with that but i think if you do your your homework chris and sounds like you're already doing that you'll be all set and certainly make sure you get your complimentary reservations in advance that way you don't miss out on any of it Good email, and our next question to us comes from Jason, who writes, Matt, a few years ago, I attended a Chefs at Sea class. I got to cook in the galley. Is this program available on any ship currently in the fleet? Wow, Chefs at Sea class on Royal Caribbean. I'm going to be honest with you. I have never heard of this before. The Chefs at Sea, I've certainly heard of galley tours, but I've never heard of an opportunity where you can actually cook in the galley on a Royal Caribbean ship. Uh, I, I, you got me here, Jason. Sometimes I have something I can do a Google search and try to find something, and I, I got nothing. I, I'm coming up with nothing here. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, certainly, I would love to hear. Actually, Jason, if you can email me back, let me know what ship it was and what was it like. Do you have any photos of it? I would love to hear more about it. It sounds really cool, but like I said, the only thing I've ever seen that's even close is certain specialty restaurants offer experience like this. You have to pay for them. But Izumi has make-your-own-sushi. Giovanni's Table has make-your-own-pasta. Sabor does make-your-own-guacamole. And the, the, the classes are all very similar in that you go to this class, you pay a certain amount of money, they teach you how to make whatever food they're teaching you, and then you have a chance to eat it all at the end. And it's pretty cool. Now, granted, it doesn't happen in the galley. It happens in the restaurant. But I've heard very positive feedback about all these kinds of experiences, and they're fairly inexpensive also. Uh, so it's a great opportunity to be able to, you know, I, I think it's not even so much about learning how to make it. It's just the fun of making it, you know, rolling your own sushi, making your own uh, handcrafted pasta, and then just and enjoying it. This is the best, next best thing to making it is, of course, eating it yourself. So that might be the n- closest thing I can think of. But, uh, yeah, nothing in the galley that I'm aware of. Next, we have an email from someone named Ignatz. I-G-N-A-T-Z. Well, welcome. Matt, we just returned from our first Royal Caribbean cruise on Allure last week, and it was just as great as advertised. I'll try to put something together with bullet points later, but there's one thing I thought might be a good show idea if you haven't done it already. One of the most confusing things we encountered on our trip was the disembarkation process when we got back to Port Everglades. We chose to use the luggage valet program to check our bags to our final destination for $20 a person. That were great. But I found it confusing when I tried to fill out the disembarkation survey. We didn't find out until late in the process that since we had no luggage with us, that any more the groups that were able to be called were no longer applicable to us. 
I think it would have been more helpful if they, if you did a show where you talk about the different disembarkation options like express, luggage, valet, etc. And if you have any tips on the best strategy for minimizing the weight in the horrible custom lines, that would be helpful. As we take our next cruise, I would love to hear about that. It was also very sad when we had to leave Allure, and I think that people would find a few tips on disembarkation would make the process a little less painful. Thanks for the great show and all the helpful info you provide. I love that idea. That's actually a really good idea. You know, there are a lot of different options that go there when disembarkation. You're right. If you have no luggage or or you are bringing your own luggage, then you can disembark any as soon as the ship is cleared. Those groups that you have on the last day, you know, you're, you're crying and <laughs> don't want to leave the ship. But they'll call different numbers, right? Like numbers, you know, group seven through nine, go. And that is only for guests who have essentially checked luggage. They put their luggage out the night before in their in the hallways. Royal Caribbean took it, and they brought it through, and they're going to take it for you and bring it to the terminal for you to pick up later. Those folks are the folks that need to use the groups. Otherwise, there's absolutely positively no reason for you to wait for any particular group. You can go whenever you're up for it. In fact, you can wait until later. Anybody can do that. But if you want to get up, you know, usually most ships are cleared by about 7, 7.30 in the morning. If you want to get off the ship at 7, 7.30, absolutely, you're more than welcome to. It's really just that issue with the luggage. And again, for someone like yourself who's using the luggage valet or you're using the – you're bringing your own luggage – then you won't have a problem with that and you don't have to worry about it. that. That's a really good point. And perhaps when I'm, it makes me a little depressed talking about disembarkation day, but we should do an episode about that talking because like we've done embarkation day, which is a lot of fun, but there are some nuances to disembarkation day that are probably worth uh, discussing. So I like that idea. Thank you for the email. Love it. Next up, we have an email from Paul Westbrook of East Brunswick, New Jersey. Matt, I'm a big tea drinker and don't really like coffee. I recall tea bags on the cruise, but is there honey? Yes, yes, absolutely. In fact, now granted, I'm not the I'm the exact opposite of you, sir. I usually go for coffee instead of tea because I love me some Starbucks. I will say though that the I do enjoy a nice cup of green tea, especially at dinner. Don't know why, but I do. Anyway, yeah, I will say that yes, I have I do recall seeing honey, little bottles of it by the stations. Usually like a cafe promenade is what I'm picturing in my mind right now, if memory serves me correctly. But yeah, you should have no problem with it. The worst case, Paul, is you could probably you know, ask somebody for it and they could probably hook you up with it. Certainly in the dining rooms, I don't think that'll be an issue. But there's obviously tea and then the usual condiments, but I'm pretty sure I've seen honey there. It just, now of course, after I say, yes, of course, now I'm trying to, and I'm second guessing myself, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it. So pretty sure sounds pretty convincing to me. <laughs> Let's go with that. Last email of the day is from Dennis from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Matt, thanks for the great podcast. We recently booked a round-trip Alaska cruise with Stephanie from MEI Travel for July 2017. I have a few questions I hope you can answer. Since the cruise is over 388 days away, how soon can I or should I start planning? I am talking about things like dining, shows, and shore excursions. Thanks for all the great info you provide. I really like the Alaska miniseries. Awesome, Dennis. Thank you so much. And Stephanie's wonderful, not only just a fun person to hang out with and cruise with, but also a uh, wealth of information. So uh, we love doing those po- those episodes uh, that you're referring to, and it was a lot of fun, hopefully very helpful as well. So you got th- your cruise over a year away. When should you start planning? Right away. Absolutely. Do you have to start right away? No, of course not. But you, I am a super planner. And I love planning. I think planning is the next best thing to actually taking the cruise. And so you should start planning things. There are a lot of things you can do. It's not, not everything yet, but there are... By far, shore excursions are the easiest to start planning because Royal Caribbean usually puts them out there, and certainly third-party companies will also allow you to start doing it well in advance. And shore excursions are an easy one because they don't really change all that much, right? There's no 
time. You already know what time you're going to be in port, so it's just a matter of, you know, booking whichever activity you're interested in. And as you heard earlier in this episode, Dennis, it's to your advantage to book excursions sooner than later based on just how much demand there is for some of the more popular ones out there. You heard Becky talk about that. So that's some good advice for you uh, if you're looking to plan there. In terms of dining and shows and drink packages, certain things won't be available to you right away. You've ever booked a cruise, a Royal Caribbean cruise that is many months in advance, certainly more than a year in advance, you'll notice some things aren't available for booking. Specialty restaurants are usually not available for booking that far in advance. It's not always the case. It varies from ship to sailing, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. I wish there was. There really isn't. It kind of depends. I'm going to actually post a link in our show notes, Dennis, if I remember, to the uh, Royal Caribbean blog uh, planning timeline. And it's a timeline of events of when to expect certain things to become available, generally speaking. And that'll hopefully help you get an idea of when you can start making reservations for, you know, different uh, different restaurants, shows. Unless you're on an Oasis class ship or a Quantum class ship, usually you don't see shows available for reservation in advance. They're just show up to a first come, first serve. But you never know. And obviously, drink packages. And some of the other things you can buy for your cruise are going to be available to you at different times as well. But I think it's to your advantage, Dennis, to be is planning as far in advance. Number one, it's fun. I think it's I find it really enjoyable because it's a great fix, right? It's like it's a way to get excited about your cruise and be constructive about it rather than just in there like, oh, I'm excited for my cruise and I, I can't do anything about it. You can do something about it. Plan your cruise. I love doing that. Go to realcreamblog.com, go to the message boards, listen to podcast episodes. Hey, these are all great ways to help learn more information. So certainly, certainly short excursions are a great way to start out with. And there's, I, I don't think there is 388 days. There's probably some people who are already yelling at their podcast. You're like a year behind, dude. Got to do it. So I definitely kind of agree with them. It, never too soon to start planning your cruise and, and researching it. And that's to me, that's the fun. And you should be able to enjoy every moment of it, even when you're not on the cruise. At least you're enjoying it beforehand. And so plan these things out because the worst case is something's not available to book. All right, that's cool. But you can you know do your homework about it, learn about certain options that are going to be there based on maybe some old cruise compasses, what you already know about these ships. And then when they do become available, you're going to be informed and ready to go and be able to book something. Know that, you, oh, I really want to book the this drink package when it comes out or i really want to be able to book chops grill when they, they open up reservations for it so that way you're not hemming and hawing about it maybe you miss out on something you would have liked otherwise so hopefully that helps you out there dennis thank you so much for the email thank you to everybody for the email and for listening love talking roller cream with all of you and i would love to hear from you as well if you've got a question a thought uh, an idea uh, you maybe you read something on royalcaribbeanblog.com and you want to talk about it here this is your venue this is your opportunity to i would love to hear more from you send me an email matt m-a-t-t at royalcaribbeanblog.com all right my friends that's going to wrap up this episode of the royal caribbean blog podcast thank you all so much for joining me and until next time i'm matt hotchberg and we'll talk again soon